Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. We are finally back. I'm joined by Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. Boys, it is good to be back. Let's crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. I have missed this. What's up, guys? What's up? It's been a long, long summer. I know we've all been up to different things. Uh, Ron with the Cubs, Johnny and I with the White Sox. We're all back to talk about our favorite team. That's the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, guys. And boy, do we have an episode for all the listeners tonight. I'm I'm getting a little nervous right now. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, how are you guys feeling? Yeah, I'm shaking tone. Uh, I'm a little jittery over here uh, because we have a very, very special guest on. But uh, Ron, you haven't gotten a word in yet. How are you doing, man? I'm good, guys. I am so happy to be back. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit before we uh, we hit that old record button here of just, uh, it feels so sweet to be back talking Blackhawks hockey, especially after I feel like truthfully both of our teams and baseball let us down. And it's just, it feels so good to talk about hockey. I think, I think ultimately, I mean, football was my first love, but just there's something about hockey, man. I'm so happy it's back. Yeah, man, there's something to be said for a fresh start, fresh slate, and that's what we're going to get with the Blackhawks this year. And, uh, man, it's really awesome that we get to kick off uh, this season, season two of Four Feathers, uh, with a great guest. Tony, uh, do we want to just bring him on right now? We can, but right before we bring him on, while we get him dialed up, Johnny, why don't you let the listeners know about the additional content we're going to be providing from ONTAP Sportsnet and Four Feathers. Absolutely. So if you're just getting caught up to speed on Four Feathers podcast and what we're all about here, we are the Blackhawks coverage unit for the ONTAP Sports Network, which was formed towards the end of last hockey season. So um, what that means is we have shows that are called ONTAP shows, which are daily shows uh, that we recap and talk about games. We've been doing it all summer for White Sox and Cubs. Ron on the Cubs side, Tony and myself on the White Sox side. Uh, we do it for Bulls, Bears, all of that stuff. Coming to Blackhawks this fall. All of your favorite Four Feathers panelists, us three, Patrick Kramiski, will be involved, possibly a couple other on-tap Blackhawks contributors. Uh, that will be a daily show. We'll tweet all those links out from the Four Feathers page, share them on our Instagram and the on-tap Sportsnet page as well. So, um, yeah, that's something to look out for. It's going to be a great season. You know, recapping the games will give it to you uh, unfiltered, raw, right after the game, how we're feeling. Um, break it down a little bit, a little analysis, a little emotion, uh, a lot of passion for sure. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that, guys. How about you? Yeah, it's going to be a good time. I mean, we... I feel like we've we've had a lot of fun with like you know you guys with socks on tap myself with Cubs on tap, uh, the Bears on tap guys are killing it right now. You know Bulls on tap is going to be excellent with with Bulls scripted and, and buzz and yeah I we're just the we're we're the, the the final head to cover all the major sports teams in Chicago and couldn't ask for a better group to do it with. Absolutely, it should be a great time. If you've listened to the Cubs shows, if you've listened to the Sox shows, like Johnny said, a lot of emotion. Um, we'll break it down. We'll tell it like it is after each and every game. But with that said, it's time to bring on quite possibly the biggest guest we've had on the show, somebody that I'm really excited to talk to. we got Dave Boland tonight, two-time Stanley Cup champ winner. Dave Boland joins Four Feathers Podcast right now. We are back with our very special guest, the one and only Dave Boland. Dave, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? 
Hey, we're good. Uh, yeah, like I said, we, we appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast to uh, talk to us a little bit. Um, obviously, a uh, modern Hawks legend uh, in our eyes here. Um, yeah. you know, no one can ever forget uh, 2013 and 17 seconds. We will dive into all of that uh, good stuff. But um, we just want to know, uh, you know, we've seen you. Uh, we kind of interact with you on Twitter, and that's how we even uh, pulled you onto the show. So how have things been going for you lately? Uh, what are you up to right now? Oh, I'm good. Just hanging out, really. I hang out in London, Ontario. Just uh, play a lot of golf, and uh, now that the summer's over, uh, it's time to uh, get back to uh, some hockey games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are going to dive a little bit right into it, um, just for your your story, uh, getting the full uh, background on Dave Boland. How did you ever yeah. get into hockey growing up, um, and uh, just to take us away from the beginning a little bit here? Uh, well, when I was growing up, uh, my dad emigrated over from Scotland, so he didn't really know much about hockey. And, uh, my uncles kind of got, uh, my brother into it and, uh, I saw him play one time and I kind of looked at it and said, ah, I want to play as well. So, uh, I started playing, I think at, at the age of four, three or four or five around that age, an early age and just out skating, uh, outside and, you know, a lot of outdoor rinks where I lived in uh, in Toronto, so it was easy and accessible to to always get to ice, and uh, it gets it gets pretty cold, so it's so, or almost similar to Chicago weather. So uh, we always had ice. We always uh, played hockey. Uh, I uh, I play breathe hockey. That was one thing that I always loved doing was going outside and shooting balls or shooting pucks or playing games. Uh, we had a big group in our area that played hockey so uh from there i went on and played uh minor hockey in mimico uh from there i went and played gthl it's uh sort of minor hockey uh triple a and i got drafted by the london knights played three or four seasons there and then uh my second year i uh got drafted to the chicago blackhawks so and uh i guess that's all history right yeah they made a smart choice drafting you dave um Next thing, uh, when when was the realization realization that you could go pro? When did you when did you feel that uh, that the dream may come true? Uh, probably my second year of junior uh, when I got drafted. Uh, my first year in junior, uh, I, I got drafted high in the junior. I went eighth overall to uh, the London Knights, and from there you still don't really know how you're going to pan out. Uh, my first season, all I had was I think 17 points. Uh, I didn't really play that much. I didn't get a lot of ice. I was still learning to play uh, the full length of the ice. Uh, so I wasn't really uh, thinking there, oh, am I going to make it until the uh, the year after when I got drafted in the second round of Chicago that, uh, hey, like, this is a dream and this could be my chance to uh, to finally make it to the NHL. Um, I'm kind of glad I went 32nd overall. Uh I know if I would have went first round uh, in that late round, um, I probably wouldn't have got to play uh, or win any cups. So, yeah, isn't that the truth? I mean, it, it, it's so funny how it works out that way, you know, with where guys fall and everything. But you know, while we're talking about you being, you know, drafted by the Hawks, especially at the time you were drafted by the team, right? It, I mean, it was really yeah. kind of a transition era, really. I mean, it was, you know, Seebs oh, yeah. and, and Dunks were still there, but. You know, those are really the only guys that were part of those cup, you know, teams that were there. So, what were some of your initial thoughts when you were drafted by the Hawks, given that state of the franchise? 
Uh, at the state of the franchise, it was it was pretty crazy because uh, things weren't doing that well. Uh, there was not many fans. I know that it wasn't televised. Uh, <clears throat> I remember just hearing wrong things about the Hawks. It was always, oh, you got drafted by the Hawks, yikes, so blah blah blah. And, uh, once I got there, it was a uh, it was an eye opener for the first the first year. It was it was a uh, it was getting used to it and and. So, you know, like, I, like I grew up in grew up in Toronto, and we've places packed, and you die hockey, and it's huge. Uh, and that, that's how I always thought Chicago was. And then, uh, then once I did get there, and and everything was rebirthed, and myself, Taser, Kaner, and uh, a lot of guys uh, brought back that franchise, and also guys like John McDonough and and Dale Town and Stan Bowman, and many Mormon names that you can name that uh, that that. That uh, that brought that franchise uh, back to life. Uh, even Mr. Wirtz, uh, like that was, it was one of those things. Uh, just seeing it go from zero to crazy uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, Dave. So as you were kind of getting yourself established with this team uh, and yourself in the league, um, that is when the Hawks started to rise as well. So I, I just kind of wanted to touch on the 2008-2009 team uh, where things really started to come together for the Blackhawks. Uh, what was that run like? And um, it, how was the mentality in the room compared to years prior? Uh, yeah, no, like I, I was there the year before that a little bit. So I was kind of still up and down. Uh, so I was still getting used to it. Um, and then the 08 I'm pretty sure I was there the whole season. And uh, that was uh, that was like a turning point year that was, that was the year I'm pretty sure we lost to Detroit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. So far now. That's so far behind. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, that was the year that we did lose to Detroit. And uh, that was like the uh, the turning year, the turning point of like, hey, like, like we've got something good here. And we've got uh, we've got a team here and like we've got the pieces to, to win the cup. Uh, and the next year we came into it. And I think that year losing to Detroit was a great, uh, a great step and a great foot towards like going all oh, like this is this is what it takes to win a cup like like we got that feeling of, of almost getting there so uh, we wanted more absolutely now Dave if you if you had to put one thing on what the biggest factor was from that that 2008 2009 team to the 2009 2010 team that put you guys over the top. What what was that? What was what was the one thing that clicked for everybody in that locker room? Uh everything well, I know we picked up Post uh that year. Posta came in, uh and Kopi uh for that uh for the Stanley Cup year. Um those were those were a few little changes, but I think those are just little ones. Uh, well not really little ones. Host was a big one, but uh we were those were some just an extra player that we needed, one extra player. Uh, and also Niemi. Niemi really stepped it up for us that year that, uh, that really took us over the edge. And he uh, he bailed us out a few times. Just a follow-up question that you mentioned, Hosa. Um, what was it like playing with, with Marion? And, and how much of a uh, – you know, how, how did it feel when he took the ice for the first time? I know he was injured for most of the, uh, the, the, the beginning part of that season. Was it just a – it, everything clicked when he came in or did you guys know that uh you had something special there at the beginning of that season uh well I, I, host is a special player he's a he's for sure will be a first ballot, ballot hall of famer uh, once 
once everything, uh, once he's done everything with his injuries and everything, uh, I'm pretty sure he'll be in the Hall of Fame pretty quick. Uh, but just having him and you watched him with all his other teams and what he does, uh, he's a he's a star player and he helped us a lot. That that, that took us over the edge too. But uh, but everything was clicking. Uh, we were a team and we had that team previous. Uh, so it was it was just little things like that. But I think Coach did help us and take us over the edge as well. Yeah, no doubt about that for sure. But Dave, you know, along with the 09 and 10 season, obviously, you know, a Stanley Cup win will certainly define a year. But, you know, you really started to kind of take on that role as the rat. And, you know, yeah. so we we're, we really would love to hear a little bit about your beef with, you know, the Canucks and the Sedins, you know, just kind of how, how that really, in a way, it really became such a great rivalry in hockey. And I think a lot of that stemmed from, you know, your your role as the rat. So what was that like, just that whole, you know, the beef with the Canucks and those those great rivalries, um, and specifically then with the Sedins? Yeah, it was I think I think I, I, I don't think I think that was probably the, the last great rivalry you'll see. Uh I don't think like we hated each other, uh us two teams. We disliked each other so much. It, like you'd have to space us out walking down most hallways in a rink uh, in case there was a fight. Um, but it was great. I think it was great for the league. It was great for hockey. It's great. I, I, I just remember not saying getting up for other games against other teams, but you knew when Vancouver came in and we were playing against each other, it was going to be war. Uh, you knew there was going to be blood. There was going to be fights. You knew there was going to be something going on and either me causing problems or something. So uh, it, it was a great robbery. And just with what – I had had to do against the Sedins is to not get them on the board and and to keep them off the board um, was 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 my kind of uh, was my kind of task and I had to make sure. So uh, I think for myself, uh, it, it's it's not it's it's tough when you when you're playing against those tough top lines. They're they're quick, they're fast. You got to be ready, and if you're not ready, they'll 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 take it to you pretty quick. Uh, I think with the Sedin twins, I, I I don't know what it was, but I always kind of got under their skin maybe a little bit, and some of their teammates would take it out on me and take dumb penalties. So uh, it was a uh, it was a fun series, and I think it'll be a series that I'll never forget. Uh, I know we still like to go back and watch those games because, uh, yeah. like Ron had said, that was when you really established yourself as the rat, um, and we love it. We love you, Chicago, for it. So um, another guy that, that you got under the skin of was Joe Thornton in uh, 2010. I know when you guys swept them, uh, you know, in four games there. But uh, what, what did you do? Because he's a bigger guy. What did you do to get under his skin and, you know, make him take dumb slashing penalties and all that? <laughs> Uh, I think for myself, it's probably just being annoying. Uh, just one of those guys that's just like just annoying person that just keeps on poking you in the back of the head, and you kind of get sick of it. And instead of ignoring it, you just uh, you just go crazy and slash me. And I think that that was the one game that he almost broke my wrist uh, off the draw. Um, but just in between, I think just in between scrums and little things like that, just getting in his head or going around and poking him. Uh, I think nobody likes that, right? Everybody hates it when uh, you're getting poked and that. So um, I was just more annoying on on that end, and and uh, some of the frustration was taken out on me. 
So, uh, Dave, we had James Wisniewski on this show last uh, last season, and uh, one of the things that he said was today's NHL doesn't have that kind of edge. Those guys don't chirp as much as they do. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that uh, if you were in today's NHL, you'd be like one of the most agitating players to play against? Uh, I'd still be an agitator. I'm pretty sure I'd still be. Uh, I'd still be be kind of that guy. Um, it was. It's a good role. It's a fun role. I think when uh, you got to be in the game quick. Um, I know when I was playing as an agitator, you. I mean, now there's you don't see as much fighting. You don't see as much. Uh, as much, uh, as much as what happened on when we were playing against uh, Vancouver, uh, so it's, the game is, has changed a bit. And, but uh, it was a fun role. Uh, you had to, you had to get in the game quick, and when you were playing against top lines against the Deans and the Thorntons, and and that you had to be ready. Yeah, uh, Dave, uh, we want to know, do you have any go-to chirps or favorite chirps that you uh, kind of use to get under their skin, or is it just kind of situational? No, no just situational. Yeah, that's uh, – I still remember. I I just – the the reliving of that 2010 was was just so fun, you know, getting to hear. You know, watch Joe Thornton just try and two-hand chop you every time you were on the ice with him because he just couldn't stand you anymore. You know, but yeah. obviously that that incredible 2010 season ended with you know bringing the cup back to Chicago. So what was it like, especially after such a long drought? You know, the incredible you know 59 years that it had been. You know, what was that feeling like, and like what was the city like, and you know, you guys going out after and just. How was all of that after that 2010 season was was finished and you guys had the cup in your possession? Yeah, it was. It was a big accomplishment. Uh, uh, it's a long year. It's a long season. Um, when when you when you're playing, that's that's a toll on your body. And I know I'm not that the biggest guy. I was probably weighing in at about a 175, 170 pounds. So it's a it's a long year. But once uh, once you win it and once you get that feeling. Uh, you just won the win again, uh, and doing it in Chicago as well was was a huge thing as well. Uh, like you said, with the drought and having not been there for so long, and going from when I got there when there when it wasn't on TV and there wasn't many fans in the building, uh, for myself just being through that whole process and and bringing the cup was was great. Uh, and after the parade was unbelievable, uh, the Chicago fans are the best fans and I believe in the whole league. Uh, they're so passionate about the game and they're so great with all, all of us. I know that like whenever I go out anywhere, they're all respectful and they're great. So uh, I think bringing it back and bringing it back, bringing this kind of come back to Chicago and having fun with all the fans was, was, was the best experience. Uh, a lot of these teams these days, I think uh, St. Louis took it to, uh, took it to, to Vegas right after um, for myself. I, I think it was great just bringing it back to Chicago and, and celebrating it with, with our fans. Nobody wants to bring the cup back to St. Louis anyway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, Dave, the, the next run that you guys went on for a cup was 2013. <clears throat> but that season was only played in 2013 because of that, um, you know, the stoppage. So yeah. they 
what was that like playing in a shortened season? Uh, just from a player's perspective, were there any pros, cons? Uh, just tell us what that was like. Because, you know, we were dying for hockey, but I could imagine if some guys were injured, uh, it may have helped them a bit. Yeah, it was it was tough, tough start because uh, you, you get ready for the whole season and then there's a stoppage and you're kind of like, oh, okay, so you don't really skate with the team. You have your team skates and most of the time you you get out there, you skate hard, you get ready, you go to the gym, try to stay fit. But sometimes they'd be like, oh, they're not talking for another two weeks. And so you'd be like, okay, you take just a little bit of a break and get back to work and do what you needed to do. Uh, so it was, it was, it was frustrating because we were all ready to play. I know uh, myself and a lot of the guys that year were ready to get at it and they were ready to, uh, they were ready to, to, to start. Uh, we were uh, we were looking forward to that year because we came off the the next year. Uh, was that the year we lost to Phoenix or Vancouver? The year before. The year before was Phoenix. Was that Phoenix? Yeah. So uh, I know we were pretty pissed off about that. Cause, so I think uh, a lot of guys were ready for that season, uh, and there was the lockout. So uh, once we got started, we were we were going home, and we went on to win the cup. Yeah, that Phoenix series really pissed me off as a fan. Uh, just seeing that cheap shot on Hosa, I don't think I've yeah, ever been more mad yeah. in my life. Yeah, there was a that was a, I think that was a, a brutal one that, that we wish we could have had back. Yeah. So, Dave, uh, what was the mood like in the third period leading up to the final minutes of Game Six in 2013? You know, what was going on on the bench? What did, did did Q say anything to get you guys going? I mean. We're obviously building up to something here, you know. What, just take us through what's going yeah. on on the bench. Uh, just uh, I think with Q, Q's not the Q doesn't really say anything motivational. I think he just comes up and says the F U F bombs, and that kind of gets you going. Uh, after he uh, he runs up and down the bench, but uh, yeah, we were kind of we were kind of uh, before those two goals were scored and they were up two one. Um, it was we were just kind of okay, like. If, we do lose. We can go back home and we can win it back home. Uh, we won in Philly the last one, so it'd be nice to win at home. And it'd be great to get back uh, and do it in Chicago. Uh, but those changed pretty quick. And uh, I was glad we got it done in Boston instead of going back to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So I think, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, I mean, I think even fans had that same thought, right, at that time where it was, okay, we, yeah. you know, they can take it back to Chicago, win it in Chicago. You know, there was a little bit of positivity, even though you guys were down. So with yeah. that being said, you know, what was, you know, what was racing through your mind after Bickle pots that goal to tie the game? Yeah, we were kind of like, okay, this, this is going to go over to overtime. Uh, we'll get inside and four on four or five on five. Let's, let's just get rested. And we were thinking, okay, we, we tied it up. That's a good thing. We, we're, we're getting closer here. So let's good. You can come back and win this. Uh, and then uh, I think Q threw myself and uh, Krugs and um, Pro out there. And from there, we dumped the puck in and went back. And the puck kind of uh, went back to Johnny Oduya. Johnny Oduya shot it. And I was coming from the corner to get in front of the net. And uh, the puck sat right in front off of uh, Tuca. Weird bounce. And I had an open net to, to put the puck in the net. So uh, once I... Knew it was in the net. Uh, I think it was Boychuk kind of got his arms down and and uh, chopped it right down on my arms. So my arms were kind of stuck. So 
that's when I just let my gloves loose and wanted to celebrate uh, after that goal. The yard sale, Dave. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a yard sale. <laughs> and, I mean, speaking of that yard sale, that was actually the follow-up kind of question that I had, too, was then just what – can you describe the the – feeling that you're going through when you score that goal like I can only imagine the level of adrenaline and excitement and anxiety just all coming into one at that moment like what just if, if you can even capture it in words what was that like when you when you put that goal in the back of the net yeah it was pretty incredible uh it was probably one of the biggest was probably the biggest goal I've ever scored uh um in playing hockey uh, I think all of us I think kids that a young age, they, they dream of scoring that, that that game-winning goal to win the Stanley Cup. I know we used to hoist pylons where I lived uh, when I was younger. So it was, it was one of those things. Is like that's just a dream that that uh, that you wish, and you'd be like, oh, if it could ever come true, and that actually came true for me. So uh, it was it was an incredible moment. Yeah, Dave. So um, obviously that, that was it. You guys shut down that final uh, minute plus. Um, it, it was, you know, the cup was coming back to Chicago. What was it like while you were waiting for the cup to be passed to you, knowing you had just scored that game winning goal? Uh, it was, I was just excited to hoist the cup again. Uh, it was a huge goal, but uh, you kind of forget uh, how, how heavy it is uh, when you, when you hoist it and, and when you lift it up there with all the energy uh, at the time, it, it, it's light, but it's a heavy cup. And it's probably one of the greatest cups in the league uh, or trophies in the league to win. I know that. I'm pretty sure it's got a lot more stories than other uh, other titles. So, and I think it looks a lot better than other, uh, other trophies. So, uh, just waiting to get it and to hoist it was, was, was a huge moment. Yeah, Dave, what was it like to pop champagne in the visitors' locker room twice? I mean, just take us through some of the locker room celebration stuff that you guys had. I mean, we're watching on TV, I'm sure all of us at home. I, I, I didn't get to enjoy alcoholic beverages during the first run in, in 2010. I was not of age. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I definitely <laughs> yeah. was not partaking in any of that. But 2013, I, you know, I remember, you know, when, when you guys were, you know, just – down and I'm sitting there I'm kneeling on my floor in front of my TV I've got my beer in my hand and you know Bickle scores I probably spilled a little bit and then you score and I'm going nuts I mean it was it, it was probably the closest thing you could get to a locker room celebration but you guys are popping yeah. champagne in, in, in two different visiting teams locker rooms um, you know just take us through that locker room celebration yeah it's pretty crazy you get, uh, once you get in the locker room you have your family and friends and Everybody that's there, they barrel on in, and but you, you get your team in there first, and everybody comes in, and you got enough booze to to drown in. Um, they just come in with barrels and barrels of uh, a lot of Bud Lights and uh, a lot of champagne, and you basically just open it up and waste it and spray it on everybody. Um, <laughs> kind of weird, but uh, but uh, it was a uh, it was a fun time. It was it's it's a it's, uh, it's pretty uh, electric moment when you're in the room and you're in there with all the guys that you just won with and you're boozing, you're drinking and having a few drinks and, and having a good time. Uh, Cause you just went to war with these guys and like what you just did was, was a huge battle. Um, and to, uh, to celebrate with all those guys was, was a huge moment. 
Yeah, unbelievable. Um, speaking of celebrating, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, in every good scenario when people celebrate, it's always, so where are we going? So, you know, when you guys got back to Chicago, where were you guys going? What was the game plan for, for all the guys to go celebrate with the Cup? Uh, yeah, it's always about finding a place. I think, uh, well, we're in Boston, so we're like, we want to get out of here. Uh, I know one of our good buddies, he owns uh, the Scout, uh, and I think we went back there, and I think you just partied until you fell asleep uh, somewhere. You could take a nap until uh, the next party began. Uh, there was always the there's always the next spot to go to uh, every night. So you'd, you'd see, you'd probably see half the guys out for a little bit, and then other half would sleep, and you see the next crew of guys, and it, it always mixed up. Uh, so it was a pretty fun moment. It was it was a good time. Any uh, crazy celebration stories uh, you can share with us? Because I believe that was the year Jonathan Taves had the quote, keep the bars open, we're coming home. Oh, is that what he said? That? Yeah, I think he did say and, that. And uh, he, he did an NHL video, and he didn't know that he said it. He said that maybe Kaner or someone else had said it, but that was him. Oh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I don't know. There's tons of stories. I don't know about stories, but it was just great. Just It was, it was fun. It was taking it out and getting the fans, interacting with all the fans was, was probably the best moment with it. Uh, we took it everywhere we, everywhere we go. Uh, we had a big bus, but fans would be running behind us, just going to the next place. And we'd take it to Hubbard street. We took it everywhere to down to tavern. Uh, it was, it was probably one of the craziest moments. Uh, I still remember, um, we took it to, uh, actually from the first year, uh, they were saying, don't take it to Wrigley Field because it'll get crazy and it'll, it'll be nuts. Uh, and I think myself, Burrish, and Eager were like, screw it, we're going to take it to Wrigley. Uh, so we took it over to the, to the bleachers and we had it up top and people were watching the Cubs game and watching us with the Cup. And fans came out from uh, from the Wrigley Field for the game and almost barricaded us in to the, uh, the bleacher part where the those uh those houses were uh and it was it was crazy how many people just fled to the street uh we had to get a police escort out of there uh so it was just awesome just interacting with the fans and having some fun and and, and taking it out and letting the fans enjoy it yeah dave um just a quick follow-up question to that who got the rowdiest every year i know we we, we know how rowdy patrick kane gets who got the rowdiest every year and who was the biggest lightweight on the team Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There was, there was a few. I think everybody was rowdy. Uh, everybody really got into it. I don't know if there was a lightweight. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was no lightweight. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody was. Nobody was the first to sleep, Dave. No, oh, there's. there's I, I, nobody was the first to sleep. I think there were a lot of guys. There were probably a few guys that, that would sleep. They'd, they'd take a nap, and once you get a two or three hour nap, and uh, you'd be ready to just go back at it. That's amazing. And I mean, you know, as a part of the celebration, I feel like the parade is just as much, you know, fun for you guys, really, as, you know, going out and, and celebrating with your team. So do you have like a favorite moment from the parades that really sticks out in your mind personally that, you know, even if it's something that maybe wasn't, quote unquote, one of the like highlights of the parade, is there something that stuck out to you uh, during those parades? Is there do you have a favorite moment? Uh, the, the whole thing was unbelievable. Just, it, I think we had a million, was it a million the first year or two million the first year? And then 
uh, at the first one, and then the one after we had like two million. I just remember the first one we came around the corner. I forget which street we went down. Uh, we went down on. Um, it took us down to uh, Millennium Park. Um, just seeing the crowds and how far it went, and just the crowds and the confetti that people were throwing was was unbelievable. And then then the one at uh, Millennium Park uh, when you were standing up on the stage and you just look out and you just see people you can't see grass or trees or like you see trees a little bit but they're hanging out but you just see a row of heads and it was a uh it was crazy so great steger's rapping abilities that first year oh they're terrible, <laughs> they're terrible. i think we all know that but it, it, it can, was good. can you rap better than him dave no i don't rap no, I don't rap. No. <laughs> so, so Dave, it, it, it settles down a little bit after that. Uh, you know, when the party phase wears out, uh, a cup goes around each guy uh, in the summer. What'd you do on your days with the cup? Uh, with my day with the cup, uh, I took it back home. Uh, I remember taking it to the hospital to uh, the kids um, in London, Ontario. Uh, I did a big autograph signing, um, and then I know later on that night. Um, one of them, uh, I took it to an old bar that used to hang out with. We had a big party there. Uh, then one night, I took it to uh, to hang out with Drake. Uh, he was in his he was in his studio um, filming or sorry uh, recording. And a buddy of mine, good friends with him, he knows him and he knows his one of his producers, Forty. Uh, so we uh, we took the cup over there and chilled out for a bit with him and uh, and showed him the cup. That's that's pretty sweet, Dave. Um, sounds like you had a good time. I'm 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 pretty sure everybody who gets the day with the cup, that's got to be one of the most memorable days of your life. You got to do it twice, and that's that's awesome. Um, one of my favorite things, Dave, though, and not favorite, but one of the coolest things about hockey is just you guys battle through such a long season, and you you mentioned it a little bit before. You know, there's injuries that are piling up. There's a lot of stuff that's you know not even you know, known to the fans that you guys are battling through to go get this done. And I think that's what makes the Stanley Cup playoffs just, you know, one of the, the, the most amazing things to watch in all sports. You know, there was, the, and I didn't really know it at the time, it, it, it started in 2010 when you guys won, there's this laundry list of injuries and surgeries that are scheduled like right after you guys finished both of those cup runs. You know, did you have any undisclosed injuries, or what, what was going around in the locker room? Do you guys even know what's going on with the guy who's, you know, sharing a stall with you, right next to you? Do, do you guys know what's going on? What, what, what is that all about? Like, is that just not to let the other team know where your where your injuries are, or what's going on with all that? Because, man, I, I remember in 2013 there was just this ridiculous list of guys who needed to go into surgery a week after. Uh, you know, what, what were some of the worst things that? Uh, that guys were, were dealing with. Uh, yeah, like the first year I I had back, my first cup I had back surgery, so I was actually nice and fresh uh, coming into that season. Uh, I was out for the first, was hosted for those first few months. Uh, and when I came back, I knew I was ready to go and, and fresh with the, the brand new back. Uh, so I, I that one I was I was pretty fresh for. Um, for the second one, I know when I came, I was, I know I was battling a, a bad groin injury uh, during that uh, during that whole run, and I remember doing anything I could to, to get back in. Uh, I think I came back 
I missed the first series against Minnesota because my growing, and I got back in the Detroit series. Um, and I just remember doing uh, PRP, this thing where they take your blood out and spin it and then put it back in your leg. And and I remember I came back pretty quick and uh, like it was, it's, it's, it's a grind. And for sure, a lot of guys you see have broken fingers, have stitches down their face, or they have contusions and, the uh, the list goes on uh, towards the end of the year when it's a long season like that. It's, it's it takes a toll on your body. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's it's it is almost intriguing, even as a fan. You know, outside of just that twenty thirteen. I mean, just as recently as this year, right? I mean, you look at like that Dallas series. I remember that playoff series for them. You know, it comes out that you know Rupe Hints was playing on like a broken leg, and it's just, it's incredible. You know, the type of injuries that you guys play through. You know, but oh, yeah. you know, sadly, then after that you know, magical Stanley Cup run in 13 with the shortened season. You know, you're traded then to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you played 23 games there in 13, 14. You know, what was it like leaving the team that drafted you, especially after winning a Stanley Cup? But then, you know, on the counter side of that, were you excited to play in your home province? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was. It was. I was hoping to to stay in in Chicago my whole career, but it's a business and it's the way hockey is. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Uh, but uh, I remember, I, I remember during the season there that, it, it, that I just remember during the season hearing rumors and that I'd be getting traded or something's going to happen. So I kind of knew it was coming, but uh, I just remember, uh, I think it was on draft day and uh, Stan called and he said, Hey, uh, I kind of, know why I'm calling and I was like oh, I probably kind of know he, he said yeah we traded you um, and I was like okay he said whereabouts he said well you get to go back home to play in uh, Toronto with your home team so when I heard that I was I was sad but kind of happy as well I got to go back home to, to experience playing for the Leafs uh, and also going to an original another original 16 but uh, just the, the class and the respect that, uh, that Stan and and, and the whole Chicago organization has to uh, their players is great. Um, they treat them with respect. They treat them with everything. And they give them everything they can to, uh, to succeed. Uh, they're, it's just, they're probably one of the best organizations in the league right now uh, in taking care of players and keeping players the way where they should be and, and taking care of them. Uh, so it was a, uh, it was a classy move and uh, I always respect Stan and them for, for that. Um, but uh, it was great going back home and playing for the Leafs, uh, playing for your hometown, and, and and just experiencing that. Yeah, Dave. So after that one year with uh, Toronto, you know, you signed with uh, Florida. You played 53 games in 14-15, uh, then just 25 in 15-16. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, unfortunately, some injuries going on there. Um, and then you're moved to Arizona. Uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but, you know, it sucks because uh, it's a physical game. And unfortunately, that is the reality of it sometimes. So um, what was it like for you to end uh, things on the injury note? Yeah, it was uh, I didn't see myself ending uh, my career excuse me, at the age of uh, well, I'm 33 now, just retiring now but uh stopped playing around 31 um i had a uh i had a laceration on my perineal tendon in toronto and then uh, i did sign with florida 
um, and the ankle and the back didn't hold up to, to how they were. Uh, I was always a few steps behind guys and uh, it was more mentally draining on myself than anything else. Uh, just knowing that my ankle wasn't at the best and I couldn't keep up. Uh, so it was a, a little bit of a mental drain um, leaving the game because you're, you're hooked onto it. Uh, you go from, I went from waking up to going to the rink to having a schedule to not having a schedule to doing whatever you want uh, now. So it was, it was a big adjustment uh, from playing to leaving hockey. Uh, you do miss it though. You do miss just the, the guys and, and being around the guys and going to the rink and doing little things uh, that, that were fun. Uh, it was always a great time walking into the dressing room and, hanging out with the guys, the trainers, and seeing everybody. It's, it's always always a good time. I'll tell you what, we all missed you, uh, you know, when it, when it was announced that you, you were not going to be returning um, because even after you left Chicago, uh, I think we were all, I can speak for all of us here, that, that we were following you closely because we wanted to see uh, good things from you. So uh, unfortunate uh, that it ends like you. that. But, yeah, no, no, really, uh, like I said, uh, in our eyes, you, you definitely are a Chicago legend, and I think no one will ever forget uh, 17 seconds and all the moments that you gave us uh, in the years before, too, uh, and, and not just that yep. season. So um, we just wanted to, you know, get, get your take on that because uh, we were talking about all fun and uh, good times there, but um, it, it sucks when something comes to an end like that, especially from one of our favorite players, so. Yeah, I mean, Dave, uh, I just I, I want to come out and say thank you for providing one of the top three sports moments, memories in my entire life. Um, that goal well, is go. so <laughs> memorable for me, man. So, you know, that just getting to talk to you is, I mean, this is probably one of my favorite favorite moments of my life. So, yeah, thank, yeah thanks for awesome. making it happen, Great. man. Yeah, anytime. This is fun. It's always good talking and getting interacting with uh, all the Chicago fans. Uh, it's always a a great time and uh always fun yeah dave so how, how we actually came to uh get this interview with you uh was via social media you said you you know you like to interact with chicago fans a lot and that's kind of what you did um we had uh you know you were kind of uh calling out the haters on twitter and uh we thought it was hilarious and so we you know asked you um if you'd be willing to come on the podcast and you said sure anything for hawks fans and first of all like like i said before we'll say it again though we really appreciate it but um you're pretty active on social media um how are those interactions good and bad? I know you said you like interacting with Hawks fans uh, and the fans, but you, you get a lot of uh, hate thrown your way too. So, um, oh yeah, just tell us a little bit about uh, some of your favorite interactions. Maybe slamming down a few uh, uh, haters that are keyboard warriors, so to say. Oh yeah, there's some guys that go after you and they like to chirp. But I know there's some people that do cross the line and they take it a little bit over the edge uh, with some comments. But that's just the way it is. Uh-huh. I could uh, I could take a lot of stuff. Uh, I played hockey, and did a lot of things, but uh, but yeah, it's always fun interacting with with Hawks fans on uh, on Twitter. It's always a good time. You know, I threw out that comment with uh, with the Marner and Matthew thing, and uh, it kind of blew up and it, it did take off. Uh, I didn't think it was going to take off that that quick, but uh, I was just hanging in the Bahamas with my family and uh, relaxing when uh, I just my cousin kind of sent out a, a tweet and. I just kind of sent something back about Marner being worth more than uh, Matthews, and uh, it kind of blew up. And all the, all the Leaf fans were, were all over me and, and got on me. So 
it was fun. It's always good. It's a, it's a fun time. So, Dave, what what beer were you drinking when you came back with the? Uh, I hope you're having fun behind your desk at work. I'm sitting in the Bahamas drinking a cold beer. What are you sipping on? <laughs> Just the Coors. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like you can never go wrong with that kind of choice. So, um, no, no, no. <laughs> so, Dave, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we we've, we've been talking so much about your Blackhawks past, and you know, hockey's right around the corner. I know we're excited. You know, I'm sure to some extent, you know, former players like yourself are excited as well. You know, so from a Blackhawks perspective, 2019-2020, you know, how do you think the team will fare this season? Do you think they can make a run back at the playoffs again, even if it is a wild card spot? Or, you know, do you think they still need maybe another year for some of these kids like Doc and Boakvist and, and Mitchell to, you know, groom themselves, come up and then contribute at the at the NHL level? I don't think so. I think there. I think there. There'll be a playoff material. I think they'll be there. Um, we got Strom and Debrincat. Those two will be uh, will be the next step there, stepping in. Um, those two are great together. You see how they play. Um, they play together there in Erie, and they, they really clicked really well. Uh, so I think they they know where each other are. And then you got Dunk, Steves, and Crow, and you got uh, Kaner and Taser. So uh, you just need to fill them. The, in a few spots, and I think Boker's a, a great acquisition on D. Uh, he was here in London. I was uh, I was around him a lot, and he's a special player that's going to be great for Chicago. He's a great PP uh, guy. He rushes the puck great, great first pass, and great shot. Uh, I kind of I kind of see him as 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 a Carlson kind of resemblance. Uh, it'd be great if he could live up to that, but uh, but he's I, I feel he's got that Carlson resemblance in, in the way he plays. Yeah, he's he's an incredible player, um, for sure. So yeah, we would like him to become a Carlson type player as well. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we'd all be very happy if if that's how it uh, <laughs> that's how, it, how it works out. So <laughs> yeah, D- Dave. One thing: uh, how closely uh, do you follow? I mean, I'm sure that you know you still uh, obviously you're paying attention to what's going on and you're still putting out the takes. But how close are you following the Hawks? Are you like watching every game? Or are you uh, NHL TV just kind of perusing it or what? Uh, no, I just cruise around. If there's a game on, uh, we always uh, I always hang out with uh, Dylan and Dale Hunter. They're the coaches here for the London Knights, so they're always watching game tapes and uh, they're always watching the Hawks because the Hawks are always top and they're always a good team and they always make smart plays and they always cut their tapes. So uh, I'm kind of watching. I always watch the Hawks, but it's always always varies which games are on. You always look for the always the original six for me. Uh, watching those ones, the least and the Hawks and the, the Canadians, but uh, uh, I, I watch the Hawks a lot, and uh, I always tend to, uh, if they're on, I'll tend to turn it on uh, to the Hawks, but I'm just glad that I'm not with any more teams now. I kind of, I was with Arizona there for a bit when I wasn't playing in Florida, so I was I was always a Hawks fan in the back of my mind, but uh, <laughs> now I'm, I'm back to being a true Hawks fan. <laughs> Love it, love it, Dave. Are you gonna Are you gonna catch any games in Chicago this year, Dave? Oh yeah, for sure. I'll be coming down to a few games. Uh, I love coming to Chicago. I miss Chicago, uh, so I'll be I'll be down for a few games for sure. Hey, uh, Four Feathers uh, crew will definitely buy you a beer if you come to a game. Let's say that. Oh, uh, there you go. Thank you. One One hundred percent. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, Dave, uh, I mentioned uh, before we got on the call here that we were going to ask you a little bit of a rapid fire uh, sort of questions thing to round this out. Um, we call it slap shots. So what we're going to do yeah. is it's going to be, you know, quick answer. Uh, just uh, whatever comes to your mind uh, when you're uh, asked these questions, Tony is going to ask them to you. And uh, we've got a bunch <laughs> of them, so we'll just uh, move through them. And uh, if you if you feel the need to expand on any of them, go for it. But yeah. uh, for the most part, these should be quick hitter ones. So, Tony, okay. take it away with slap shots. Favorite hockey player of all time? Uh, Steve Eisenman. Best arena to play in? Uh, well, Chicago. Chicago. What's your, Madison. what's your beer of choice? Uh, Coors Light. What did you like better wearing, the white or red Hawks jerseys? Uh, the red. Who was the funniest teammate that you played with in your career? Uh, Ben Eager. Toughest player to play against? Uh, Ovechkin. Favorite sport besides hockey? Uh, lacrosse. Best place to eat in Chicago? Oh. Prosecco. Favorite food? Italian. Who would you rather fight? Kevin Bieksa or Thornton? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'll leave that one. I'll leave that one open. <laughs> Loudest anthem you've ever heard at the United Center? Oh, all of them. Any secret unknown talents you have? Zero. <laughs> I can lay on the couch for a long time. Kaner or Taves? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite band? Um, Tyler Childers. White Sox or Cubs? Uh, I'd have to go both. Both? <laughs> Pick one. Pick one. I Dave. like both of them. No, no, uh, we've, we've got we've got a we've got a we've got a split team here. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I have to go Cubbies. Yes. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite coach Qism. Oh jeez, Qism. Just the f bomb. Just the f bomb. <laughs> throw a lot of he throw a lot of f bombs. On average, how many f bombs would Coach Q throw out in a pregame? Oh, oh, not really much. In uh, pregame, he'd probably throw a few, but in in regular season, it was probably every. Third or fourth word with an F bomb. Favorite vacation destination? Uh, Europe. When will the the Hawks win the next Stanley Cup? Well, uh, I'd say two years from now. 2010 or 2013, better year? Oh, well, 2010 because the first one. There we go, and that's slap shots. That's all we've got for you, Dave. That was uh, awesome. That was awesome, uh, Johnny. Anything else from you? Yeah. So uh, one more in here, uh, just Dave. Just overall, just looking at this uh, upcoming NHL season, realistically, uh, who do you think takes home the cup this season? 
I don't know. It's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, iffy right now. Uh, like you can see the Blues kind of pulled that one out. Uh, didn't, I don't think a lot of fans saw that coming. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. It's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a huge variety out there. And if you get on a hot streak and and, and you get going, um, you could easily get on a run and you get a hot goalie, you could be good. Uh, it's one of those things once uh, this month of playoffs start going and you're there, uh, anything can happen. Like, I think I had Tampa last year and boom, they're out. Uh, and that was huge, but I'd have to say Blackhawks. Hell yeah. We, we like that answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just what, what, one more on this season. Uh, I just thought of this as we were kind of going through this. Um, right now, with the kind of surprise acquisition, I don't think anyone, any of us were expecting Robin Leonard to come to the Chicago Blackhawks. Do the Hawks have the best goalie tandem in the league right now between Crawford and Leonard? I think so, for sure. Uh, those are two number one goalies. Uh, if you can have two number one goalies fighting over that spot, that's going to be good for – that's going to be good because uh, I know Crow won't want to give up a spot and uh, that Leonard, won't, he won't want to give the spot too. So uh, they're going to be fighting every night. Love it. That's all I've got, uh, guys. Uh, you guys go ahead and uh, throw out your last thoughts for Dave here. Yeah, no, Dave, I just greatly appreciate you coming on with us. It was an absolute joy. Um, just very quick story, just so you can kind of get that perspective of a fan during that you know game winning goal in 17 seconds you know i still remember running and i i was literally doing laps around my living room after bickle had scored and i I wasn't fully calmed down yet and i just as i had finally looked back toward the tv i see adoya put that shot on net and then you bank it in and i i'm not even kidding my dad was standing about 10 feet away from me and i literally ran at him and mind you i'm probably I was in uh, okay, so yeah, I was, I was still in my football heydays. I was probably about two hundred and fifty pounds, mind you, and yeah, I just full blown <laughs> jumped onto my dad because I was so excited. So, uh, just just <laughs> a little awesome. fun, I love it. yeah, just a little fun story to share with you. But no, greatly appreciate you coming on with us. It was an absolute pleasure and joy. And uh, you know, we we always will love you as a Chicago Blackhawk here uh, with the four feathers. Awesome. So thanks again. Thank for you very coming. much. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. This is awesome. It's fun. Yeah, Dave. Hope I, I hope to, I hope we have you back on here at some point in time. This was this was absolutely excellent. I enjoyed picking your brain on on tons of different stuff. And like, like I said a little bit earlier, you know, I don't I don't know if I've celebrated harder in my life than when you guys won it in 2013. Uh, that was just I was recently had just turned 21, and it was just a great time. And uh, you guys, oh, you, you know, it's. It it still comes back to me, you know, just the uh, memories that I made that summer. Um, yeah, absolutely awesome. awesome. So, I mean, you made that's that happen, great. and and you know, I'm just sitting here talking to you right now, and uh, that's just incredible. So, um, thanks uh, again for coming on, man. Oh, God. I, I really no, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me, guys. And like yeah. like Johnny said, you know, if if we can ever meet up at a Hawks game, we will definitely buy you a beer. Um, you deserve yeah, it, man. Yeah, for sure. I'll let you guys know when I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got us in the DMs there. Uh, you can always mention us on Twitter. Uh, we'll be at your back uh, when the next hater comes at go. you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we got you. Chicago's got you, Dave. Uh, it, we, we loved having you on, like they said. Thank you once again. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your summer, and let's go Hawks. Uh, awesome. Let's go Hawks. There we go.
Let's go. And that was two-time Stanley Cup champion Dave Boland. Thank you so very much to Dave for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute honor and pleasure from the Four Feathers clan. Guys, I'm going to crack. I'm going to crack them. So what a great interview we just had with Mr. Oh, Dave Boland. I'll, I'll crack him to two Stanley Cups, Ron. There you oh. go. Let me let me just reach in here and get another beer. I've got half one left, but Woo! there we go. I mean, guys, uh, just instant takeaways. I mean, how awesome was that? Unbelievable, man. Um, I think, you know, obviously the big thing there, uh, the, the climax, if you want to call it that, is talking about 17 seconds because he was the one that potted the winning goal. Um, kind of interesting to hear him take uh, us through uh, how that went. And, you know, he's just doing his job. I love that about the rat. He's just doing his job. Oh, I was in the corner coming to the front of the net, you know, uh, trying to get to where I needed to be. And it was right there for me. So I, you know, I slammed it home and then Boychuk stripped my gloves off. So, um, you know, I, I provided him with the term that it was because it was a yard sale uh, that happened after that. So, yeah, I mean, just yeah. uh, uh, unbelievable moments. Uh, it was really cool hearing from him. And then some of the background, too, because uh, everyone likes to talk about that. And that's obviously what will be most remembered for just uh, iconic moment in Chicago sports history. Um but it, it was good to get to know him uh, in the early background days. And then even uh, it, it sucks the way that his career ended, but to hear it from his mouth uh, firsthand, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I probably had goosebumps almost the entire time we were talking to Dave. You know, we, we do a lot of interviews on here. We, we, we've talked to uh, Wiz. We've, you know, Johnny, you and I on, on Sox podcast, we've talked to some some Sox guests who've been, uh, you know, pretty notable, but I don't think there was, you know, a better moment than, than just getting to hear Dave recount, you know, what was going on on the bench, you know, what would, what was it like on the ice during that time? You know, and like I told him, it's gotta be one of the top three moments for me as a sports fan, him, you know, just potting that goal and and the Hawks winning because, guys, you know he he was even saying like you know they're they're talking about how you know we can go win this back in Chicago and I don't think anybody really really imagined a scenario where the Hawks score two goals in 17 seconds and and come back with the cup. You know I'm sitting here staring at one goal too. It's right in front of me. It's 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 right over there. And if I just open that book, I'm going to get a little clip of of Boland winning it for the Hawks in that historic game six. I mean, we just got to talk to the guy who brought the cup back to Chicago after a drought of, of three years. You know, like, that's that's cool. That's, that's tough. Like, you know, Dave Boland, I tweeted it out. One of the coolest and toughest hockey players of all time. And I think that that's what makes this awesome, what we're doing here on Four Feathers. Like, this is really cool, guys. And I'm I'm just ecstatic that I got to share this moment with you guys and and uh, and just get to talk to Dave for just a little bit. And I, I really appreciate him coming on. You know, I, I loved every second of, of hearing him talk about his experience with the Blackhawks and, and how much that he appreciates Chicago and the Chicago fans. You know, I just... I, I I'm I'm lost for words right now. That was that was just awesome. Yeah, it, it was really cool getting to hear, 
you know, truly, really how much he still loves Chicago and the Blackhawks organization. And, I mean, yeah, he played with, you know, two other teams, technically three if you include Arizona. But really, you know, the peak and, you know, most duration of his career was in Chicago. And, you know, it's 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 so cool to hear from these guys. And, you know, because, I mean, I'm you know, like he said, you know, he grew up in Toronto. I'm sure he grew up a Leafs fan. You know, he really never explicitly said it much during our conversation. But, you know, growing up in that area, you have to think that was kind of, you know, where his fandom lied when he was a kid. You know, so to hear him, you know, be just as excited about Blackhawks hockey as we are, you know, as a former player, I think is just such a cool perspective to get that, you know, you don't get just hearing these guys talk to the media or, you know, talk to, um, like the camera crews when they they do the 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 cup films and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, super appreciative of that awesome exchange. I mean, I I think I'm at the point right now where it hasn't totally sunk in, and I'm going to have to go back and listen, and then it's going to hit me, and then you guys are going to get some frantic text from me being like, "Oh my god, that actually happened." <laughs> Yeah, I love it, Rod. I'll probably be the same way. Uh, but one thing, just jumping off uh, one point that you had mentioned there, I thought it was really cool when you said that, you know, I was with a couple teams after, so I kind of couldn't, you know, he had to mask it or whatever, however he phrased it. And he's like, now he's like, yeah, I can be a full-time, you know, full-blown Hawks fan. Yeah, I thought exactly. that was really cool. Um, so uh, just great stuff all around from uh, Dave Boland. Um, uh, we, we hope the listeners enjoyed that. And we're going to try and get as many guests uh, like him on and hopefully him again. I would love to, you know, have Dave back and evaluate how this team is doing come, uh, you know, midway point um, anytime throughout the season. So yeah. if we can get him back on and he's available, we definitely like to do that. He seems very tuned into what's going on with hockey now. And, you know, we talked a little bit to him about, you know, how his, how his career ended. And, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate. But, uh, you know, hockey is a physical sport. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions I think I know that are popping into my head right now that I wish I asked him. You know, just about, you know, the toll that hockey takes on your body and, and some of that other stuff. Um, you see guys like uh, Carcillo out there right now just struggling with some of the injuries that he suffered. Um, I'm, I'm sure Dave would, uh, you know, be able to provide a take on, on some of that stuff. But, you know, it, it's just it's amazing when when you talk to these guys. You know, he, he kind of seemed like very I want to say it was almost low key for him because, like you said, he's just doing his job out there. You know, just like, you know, we, we show up to our day jobs and, and do what we have to do to, you know, get through the day. You know, that that's what they're doing, too. You know they're 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 humans. They're navigating their lives just the way we are. They're just playing a professional sport. Um, it, it 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 was just such an honor to have him on this podcast. I I'm I'm like I said earlier. I'm still lost for words. I'm gonna do the same thing you guys are gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this episode and just you know just be completely a fan as I listen to him talk about you know his experiences on the ice and and. Uh, you know just what he went through with the Blackhawks I was I was really the, the the best part for me was when he talked about how Q didn't really say anything motivational he just dropped f-bombs like I love that <laughs> I absolutely love that you know like that was that was that was pretty cool so it, um, it's so real it, yeah yeah, it's so real, and I wouldn't expect anything else, though, from Q guys. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, that that does not 
shock me, but it is funny to hear it from the uh, mouth of someone who was right behind him. And uh, Q was probably in his ear a couple of times, <laughs> I would guess. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. Um, like we said, we, we could probably have gone on for hours with Dave Bolin, but uh, we like to be respectful to our guests. Uh, we don't want to take up his whole night and we don't want to take up your whole day here either with the Four Feathers podcast. So we will get to some uh, preseason uh, notes here that we have jotted down some roster notes um, as we approach the season. I think this is a great way to kick off season two of Four Feathers, guys. Um I uh, I just want to jump right into uh, what's going on with the Hawks, the 2019-2020 Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the latest news here, the roster is down to 30 uh, now, and the Hawks can take 25 to Prague for the season opener. Just a little note. Um, so, you know, r- right now we're looking at some bubble guys, guys that are playing for a roster spot. Um, just some preseason observations that I had. I'm going to throw mine out there, and then you guys can go ahead uh, and add in anything that you guys have seen. But uh, Alexander Nylander uh, was solid in his first two preseason games that he played. Uh, you know, put up some points, uh, looked good the first night that he was out there with uh, Kane Taves, but then he was a little quiet on Saturday at Boston, so or uh, against Boston at home. And then, uh, you know, Adam Boquist, uh, we all know the offensive abilities there. It'll be extremely interesting to see where he ends up. Um, John Quinville, uh, the guy that uh, came over from New Jersey in the John Hayden trade, uh, he is out with a hip injury. Uh, he did skate in the first preseason game, but he has been out since then. So um, kind of sucks for him uh, just from personal level if he's trying to battle for a roster spot here and not totally able to do it uh, just because of that ailment. And then uh, no Kirby Doc yet, unfortunately, uh, concussion protocol. I think I'd speak for us all when we say screw the wild. Um, because he got injured in a that final uh, seventh-place game at Traverse City against the Wild Prospects. So uh, he took a hard hit in the boards, and he's been in the concussion protocol since. But there is good news. He's been skating on his own. Uh, Charlie Romiliotis, uh, the NBC Sports Chicago Blackhawks uh, beat writer, has been posting some videos of him skating uh, at practices. So that's good to see. And then no Calvin DeHaan, a big defensive acquisition over the offseason uh, in the Gustav Forsling-Anton Forsberg trade. Um he is out with uh, shoulder and groin injuries. We knew the shoulder um, because he was, that was what uh, he had surgery on at the end, very end of last year. And the Canes gave him, I believe it was a four to six month timeline for recovery. Uh, he did say that was going well, but then the groin injury is what was kind of ailing him a little bit more. Uh, he's been practicing, though, and he said he hopes to be ready for October 4th versus Philly. Obviously, it'll depend on what the doctors will say. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Guys, uh, preseason observations so far. Oh, Ron, I'll hand it to you first. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been able to, you know, catch some of the games, obviously, to this point. I, probably not nearly as much as I would have liked to, truly. Uh, I'm very pleased thus far with... Uh, so I really probably... I have three big points that I want to just quickly cover. Uh, and then, obviously, I want to hear from you guys about it as well. Um, point number one, I'm very happy with how Ole Mata has played. And it seems like that he and Brent Seabrook could be a really nice third pairing for this team this year, which you're is lucky. Refreshing. Pat Comiskey is not on this podcast right now. That's okay. Pat and I, I, I love Pat to death and him and I are going to go toe to toe a lot this year, especially anytime it involves Brandon sod. But, you know, Ole Mata is, you know, I, I, one of my best friends, probably the only thing I would ever consider wrong with my best friend is he's a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. 
He's his dad grew up, you know, when he was growing up, his dad loved watching Lemieux. And so that's how he developed his fandom. So as soon as that trade happened, I immediately went to him. I was like, you've seen Olimata more than anybody else I know. Wait a second. I thought you just told me that Olimata is your, one of your best friends. No, I wish Olimata was one of my best friends. He would be on the pod if he was one of my best friends. Uh, Wouldn't be able to understand a lick of what he's saying, but he'd be on the pod. Yeah, but that's OK. Yeah, it, but Olimata would be on the pod. Um, but I'm, you know, no, I'm really, you know, I, I, I asked, I reached out to my buddy and was just like, Hey, what, what should we expect out of Mata? He's like, well, this year he was a pylon. He goes, but also this year he was hurt. You know, he said 2017 only Mata had a nice year. Like he's a nice defenseman and he's still super young. I think a lot of people forget how young he truly is because he's played in the league for five years and he's won two Stanley cups, you know? So I'm really pleased so far with how he's played. I'm very excited to see how he'll play in the regular season with the Hawks. Um, I think that trade's going to look a lot better than people initially reacted to it uh, when it did happen uh, earlier in the offseason. Point number two, uh, Dominic Kubelik has a piss missile of a shot. He does. From that that dot. I mean, he... Left circle. Yes, he is Or right circle, excuse me. Yeah, he's going to be... They they're gonna have to set him up on the power play with opportunities like that. Um, you know, even if he's on the second unit, I mean, you have like a reverse power play unit of the first unit where you have to bring it on the other side. Um, you know, I think he's gonna be really good. I think he's gonna be. He'll figure I think into as a top nine player. So what I mean by that, he'll probably play primarily on the third line, which is gonna be a deep third line this year because it's probably gonna be him and Brandon Sod on the wings, but. You know, he he could play anywhere throughout that top nine. He could play on the second line if you needed to with Strom and Dabrinkit. I don't think that's where they prefer him to play, but he could. And I think if, you know, if they start moving Kane away from Taves, I think you could see Kubelik up on that top line with Taves a little bit. So uh, I've been they really impressed with, him. with that in practice today. They did run. Exactly. So, I, you know, I'm I'm really impressed so far with what he's done. I think he... You know, I think they expect him to come in and kind of have that Dominic Cahoon impact of last year where he's a really good depth scoring option. I think he could be more talented than Cahoon offensively. So uh, at least as a goal scorer, you know, I, I think that'll be a big thing. So I'm very excited to see what he does. And I'm also very pleased thus far with Alexi Sorella. You know, this is a guy that was a 30-goal scorer year in and year out over the last few years in the A. And, you know, he's really making a case – for the Hawks to try and keep him because, you know, and Johnny, you so kindly provided the the roster of what's left with the 30 guys right now. You know, he's still on the roster. There's 17 forwards left. They've probably keep 13. And I would say as of this very moment, I'd say John Quenville probably goes back to Rockford. I think Anton Whedon goes back to Rockford. And, you know, I, I have to think that there's a chance that, you know, Alex Nylander goes back to Rockford, but I think it's been it's I think it's ultimately going to come down to Nylander or Sorella of who they keep up as like that thirteenth forward. Uh, I just think with Kirby Doc with the injury and him not being able to play enough, I think he gets his nine games, but then they let him go back and just rip it up in the WHL. Um, so ultimately, Sorella's got a chance. He's got a legitimate chance to make an impact on this team. And he's looked he's looked nice in the preseason so far. He's been quiet at times, but you know, I think overall he's 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 been good. So I, I think the the real key though of everything I just said is 
this team is much deeper than they were last year. And that's incredibly refreshing because they needed to replenish that depth. So um, very excited there. I'm, I'm super excited to see what happens uh, in terms of the roster. I mean, and even if you look at it too, you figure they have 30. Delia's getting sent down. I, I have to imagine Boakfast and Gilbert start the at least start the year in Rockford. I don't know where that's going to end up later in the season, but that's three more guys. So realistically, they could keep 14 forwards if they wanted to. There's a chance that you know maybe Kirby Doc and Alexi Sorella make this team and stay the whole season. So uh, a lot of good things overall, but I would say those are probably the biggest three takeaways that I've had from the preseason thus far. Yeah, Ron, I, I, I liked what you said, and I'm going to hit right on the, the depth. Um, the forward depth on this team is incredible right now. Um, I, You know, we talked about this a lot last year. When you have a team where you have that depth, it, that an injury doesn't matter and you can slot another guy up right in, that's what makes you a playoff team. You know, we, we talked about how just empty that bottom six was last year how you didn't have any depth scoring. We're talking about Brandon Sott and Andrew Shaw potentially being, you know, two staples in, in your bottom six right now. And one of the yep. guys that I just mentioned, Shaw, we've missed this guy. There, there was already one instance. I forget what game it was in. I think, Johnny, it was the one where you were at. Where you see Shaw go to the corner, dig a puck out, get it out there, and lead to a scoring chance. I forget who put it in. It might have been Taves. But, um, man, you missed that guy going to the corner. We talked about how soft this team was last year and how t- how soft this team has been since a guy like Andrew Shaw left. You've got not only Shaw, you talk about a guy like Smith, you talk about Carpenter. I know that's one of Johnny's favorite guys now. You've got, uh, you've got Kajula out there. You've got a lot of guys who can go to the corner, get a puck, and, and not just lead to another offensive turnover that goes back down the ice. You've got guys who aren't afraid. Now, and I think that's what's going to give the Hawks a way bigger edge than what they've had over the past few years. I know when we we talked about the 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 trade to bring Shaw back, you know, I, I think a lot of us wanted us to go out and get a a free agent signing. Um, Johnny, you and I talked about it on our on our off season episode that we did um, after a lot of these moves were made, and I said I re- I really like bringing Shaw back. And then, you know, we, we go and we add these other names on top of, of what we had already with uh, with Drake Kajula. This team isn't going to be afraid anymore. They're not going to be the type of team that, you know, an opponent comes into and is going to say, you know, we can go win corner battles without having to, you know, use bodies in the corners. We're going to be able to beat people up now. And we also have, you know, the finesse guys like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Alex Dabrinkit. This is this is the type of, of forward depth and forward core that you need a perfect mixture, I think, of grit and toughness and and skill. And I really like what I've seen so far from this group. Um, you know, Johnny, you, you you mentioned to us in the group chat earlier, you're like, How did um how did that first line go? With uh what was that, Kane Taves and uh Nylander. Nylander. And uh, it didn't work out very well. Why? Because that, that was the Hawks of, of 2016 through through 2018, where you don't have a guy who's going to go to the corners and get you those pucks. We have that now. 
you know, there, there's, there, you have the ability to spread it out a little bit where every line can be a really tough line to play against because there's one guy out there who's going to go into the dirty areas, get those pucks, create scoring chances, go to the net, get in front of the net. It doesn't have to be Jonathan Taves in front of the net anymore. That's what's going to be the difference on this Hawks team. That's why I'm so freaking excited to see this team play in the regular season because I think that they can be a force up on offense. I don't want to touch on the defense right now, Ron. You, you kind of alluded to a lot of different things. But I think right now, with this depth that they have, it's going to be a different type of year. Yeah, uh, Tone uh, and Ron, uh, some thoughts that I'm just going to um, really quick because I already gave my little initial um, observations beforehand. But uh, I'm going to go back to Ron's point first of Dominic Kubalik. This is a guy I have had my eye on ever since the IHF Worlds back in May when I was covering that and gifting that religiously. Um, this guy had a breakout performance there. And uh, Ron, I agree with you. If they can set that guy up on the power play, man, we saw that snipe in the game at Detroit. Uh, wow, mm-hmm. that, that could be he could be a weapon for sure. Um, another thing that Ron had said about Olimata, I was at the game, the first home preseason game that was against uh, Detroit they, when they played the home and home on back to back nights. And Olimata moves better than I thought. Um, he, he is he's not he's no burner by any means. Everyone knows that. But it does look like he's healthy, Ron. And I think your friend, who is a Penguins fan, uh, definitely makes a good point there when he said, well, he was, you know, he's playing broken a little bit last year. Um, he, he was much better in, in 2017. And that was yeah. uh, part of a uh, Penguins Stanley Cup run. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, uh, I definitely did see that. And uh, there was, you know, the highlights of, I'm not saying this is how it's going to be every game, but in the uh, training camp scrimmage that they had, uh, Ole Mata putting on some moves. Uh, it's not just a, uh, uh, stone hands and uh, cement skates sort of player that uh, I feel like a lot of the uh, Twitter pundits like to prop up. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That kind of narrative around Olimata. Uh, let, let's see how this guy actually does when he's healthy uh, and paired possibly with the right guy. Um, so th- that's interesting. And then, Tony, uh, on your thing, man, forward depth, I'm totally with you. Uh, you had said, uh, took the words right out of my mouth, Ryan Carpenter. Uh, I'm so excited to watch that guy play in front of the net. Um, Drake Kajula, as long as he's healthy, man, uh, you could slot him in uh, up and down. And I know there, there's going to be criticism against him being on the first line because some people think that you just load up with skill, skill, skill. But uh, that's not always the recipe for uh, creating space on the ice for that first line. So Ron and I uh, had a long discussion about how important he was last year to that first line. And when he went down, this Hawks team collapsed. And yeah. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I I love where you're going with this, Johnny. Yeah, and I'm with you, man. I was I uh, remember that game against Anaheim when he got uh, uh, jammed into the boards, and that was the uh, concussion that he suffered, and uh, that put him out. And then that put that first line pretty much out of commission for a few games there, uh, and they never really found a groove then because they didn't have that guy that could dig pucks out of the corner. So um, definitely all good points that you guys made there. I'm not going to ramble on too long because I already given some of mine. Um, I, I just want to know what we're going to get from Brendan Perlini. I really hope he can be the kind of guy that even mm-hmm. if he's not playing every night can step in and still be a effective, uh, timely score um, because we saw it for that week when he won the second star of the week back in mid-March last year. Um, I, I would like to see that in spurts again because he's probably not going to be in the lineup every single night just looking at this, like you had said, Tony, this forward depth that is here. So, Hat-tricks um, are that, cool and tough. 
yeah, definitely uh, interesting things to watch storylines going into the season. Uh, we'll keep you updated on our Twitter page at Four Feathers Pod um, as any of these uh, roster cuts uh, become public. And um, that is all we've got for uh, this episode of Four Feathers Podcast. I'll turn it over to you guys with closing thoughts in a second, but I just wanted to plug once again, like we did at the beginning, Blackhawks on Tap, a new show. Um, we'll still be delivering you four feathers for the extended things. Uh, we'll try to get guests like Dave Bullen on, uh, the more extended topics. Uh, we'll definitely touch on all of that. Uh, it'll be the longer format like this is. But if you want your nightly uh, 20 to 30 minute, uh, maybe sometimes we go over if it's a really, you know, long, crazy overtime game or something like that. Uh, maybe sometimes we go shorter if it's a, you know, one, two goal game. Um, you, you never know. Uh, but that's what we'll be doing, bringing you daily uh, Blackhawks content or gamely, I guess I should say. I'm so used to saying daily because of our baseball on tap shows, guys. Uh, but, uh, we, yeah, we'll, we'll be bringing that to you on the regular. So just be on the lookout for that. We will just tweet them from the uh, Four Feathers podcast account, uh, share them from our Instagram page, from the on tap Sportsnet Twitter page, uh, on tap Sportsnet Instagram page, all of that good stuff. So I just wanted to get that plug in. Guys, final thoughts on this Dave Bolin episode of Four Feathers podcast. Great, great episode. I mean, having David Bolin on was special, uh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, I think we've we've hammered it home enough how great it was having him on. So a huge thank you to him again. Uh, also, just another quick closing thought, too, is, you know, we, we talk so heavily about guys like Drake Kajula, Ryan Carpenter, uh, Andrew Shaw. Not only do those guys go and get pucks deep for your skill players, but it allows you to space out your skill players more throughout the lineup. And, you know, a guy like Brandon Saad, who at times last year they would load up with Kane and Taves because he could go get pucks, he can now play in more of that scorer role on a third line, you know, where he's kind of that hybrid guy. He'll go to the corners, he'll go score, you know, and then you have guys like Kubalik, Kubalik. I don't know how to pronounce his name yet. There we go. Figure it out All at right. Some point. Time out. Time out. How do you pronounce this guy's name? Because I'm going to butcher it. I, I, I'm happy that Ron was the get, first one. Yeah, I want to get the official one, but ever since the Worlds, I've been saying Kubalik. Fair. We'll, Can I call we'll him? say Kubalik then until otherwise. Can we go with Kubalik? Well, yeah. I mean, you always have to mispronounce it. That's the rule here on Four Feathers, Tony. <laughs> That's I'm surprised I didn't feathers. mispronounce Boland. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thankfully, that's a name that we we all know and love. So, knowing 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 Dave Boland's name is cool and tough. So you're fine, Tony. Don't, right, don't cool. you worry about it. Um, but no, but in all, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it allows you know those skill guys to thrive more, and you can space them more throughout your lineup. So, really, those kind of lunch pail guys, quote unquote, that you know we've talked very extensively about on this team this year that they really lacked last year is only going to help the skill guys. It's only going to help guys like Dylan Strome, Alex DeBrinkett, Taves, Kane, Brandon Saad, Kubalik. You know, the list goes on and on. Nylander, if he sticks with the team. Um, Kirby Doc, if he sticks with the team. Like, all those guys are going to benefit from guys like Carpenter and Kajula and Shaw and Smith. So um, just wanted to hammer that thought home too. But, yeah, what an episode, guys. It was an absolute blast. Ron, Johnny, it's an absolute pleasure every time we get on the microphone and talk about our Chicago Blackhawks. I've killed enough beers tonight to go back 
and rewatch Game Six of the 2013 Stanley Cup Final, then I'm gonna have a great night tonight. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm seriously appreciative of Dave Bowland. I had to mispronounce the name <laughs> at least once for coming on the show tonight. Um, this was incredible. Um, I can't wait for the season. I'm I'm itching already. Um, I just want to plug one thing. We got the opener coming up in a little about a week from now. Mm-hmm. We're all going to be together to watch it. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be really cool because I don't think we got to watch a game together last year. Um, we're going to have a ton of live content coming your way um, from the garage. The garage yeah. de crazy Marchese, as, uh, as Johnny likes to put it. Um, I'm really looking forward to beating Ron in shinny hockey. It's going to be a good time. And like uh, rip a slap shot off your uh, shin. Whatever happens, happens. Um, at this point in time, guys, I'm just ready to crack beers with you. Watch some Blackhawks hockey. Talk about it all season long. I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Yeah, totally, Tony. Uh, I agree with, with everything that you just said there. Uh, it's going to be a blast watching that opener together. Uh, a little interesting, you know, 1 p.m. here. Uh, it'll be nighttime over in Prague where they're playing. So, uh, like you said, we'll be bringing all the live content. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Four Feathers Pod and on Instagram at Four Feathers Pod, same handle. And then uh, the main account at ONTAP Sportsnet on both Twitter and Instagram. And it's also Facebook linked to there too. So um, with that being said, guys, that was episode 31 of the Four Feathers Podcast featuring Dave Boland. I've got nothing else. Let's go Hawks. Blackhawks forever.